How's it going, everyone? Welcome into the Sports Appeal Podcast. I'm your host, AJ Teal. As always, to my right, my co-host and my dad, Noel Teal. Dude, I couldn't let you be the only good-looking one in the family. I know. You got the cut going. We're, we're now both looking, you know, on par. Now, I like it. You know what? Look, if we're going to come out here and we're going to, you know, give a good show off, we got to look good in the process of, of doing it here, so... I like it. You're a little shirt off for you. Yeah, you're a little better dressed than me, but I'm. You know, it's it's a it's a Thursday in the afternoon. Like I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not dressed up as at work. You know, like like you are. So, uh, I I appreciate the uh, the nice the nice attire there. But we have some stuff to get into today. If you're a Spurs fan, you're you're on top of the world right top now. Top of the world. Winning the Wembanyama sweepstakes um, the other night as Magic fans. Couldn't get lucky we again. We were a little, little sad, but we still kept our, our two picks, so nothing bad there. Uh, we have to go through now and obviously recap the lottery and how the Spurs came away with that number one pick. And then we'll actually go ahead with NBA Mock Draft 1.0 as we have the order finally set. We'll go through. We'll just do the lottery, so we'll go 1 through 15 there um, and, and give you what we think. It's still about a month away, um, yep. but, you know, we're a little removed now from the uh, – the good old March Madness, and we've had a chance to watch some of these overseas stars now uh, train a little bit. So we got a good understanding of who we like and who we don't. And now that we have the order, we'll go through and give you what we think each team should do, 1 through 15. Also, we had game ones in the Eastern and Western Comets final that were excellent games, both of them. I mean, the Heat do it again. The I Heat up one nothing. Unreal. Dude, there is something about the Miami Heat culture. Before we even jump in everything, I, do you know that seven of the 12 guys on the Miami Heat were undrafted? It's ridiculous. It's, undrafted. it's unbelievable. It's, it's one of the craziest stories. And this has been now, this is, this is three out of the last four years that they've been in this position. So it's not like anything new has happened. They just keep it's, getting better and better. And this is a year now. They win game one. You really got to start taking this team very serious. Is, is Eric Spolcher the best coach in, in the league? I mean, it's hard to argue anything else. It, it really is. I mean, who's consistently doing it like he's done it for so long with so many different teams, but the team he's given, it's very obvious to see that their roster isn't the most, you know, talented roster that you just said seven of the 12 are undrafted. It's yeah. really crazy to see. So we'll talk about games one and two there. Then we'll get into our NBA mock drafts on NBA filled episode. Once again, for you, we still technical difficulties dealing with, um, with our audio. I here, At so this we're... point, we don't have intro music. <laughs> don't let them know that. Don't let them know. We're we're just uh, we're hopping in here. Let's get to it. Let's run it. Let's start with game one there, and we'll just start with the Heat because it was our most recent game um, from last night. Look, this one was incredibly surprising to me. I liked, and it was, and it's how Heat games have gone, and how Celtic games have not. The Celtics haven't got off to fast starts recently especially in that 76er series before game seven this was a team that was struggling to shoot in the first half now the heat on the other hand in their series especially against the knicks they found themselves in the first half coming out slow you know just like this game coming out slow getting a feel for the game but not not getting behind too much they were only down by nine uh points at halftime in this one and they were down a couple times in the series against milwaukee they were down a couple times in games against the Knicks. But then that second half, there's something that clicks with Jimmy Butler. There's something clicks with that defense. And then the role players just come out of nowhere. Um, it's, it, it seems like this was this was an in, incredibly impressive win because of yes. the nine-point deficit at half coming back in. 46 points in the third quarter. So offensively, so that's, something clicked. That's the absurd part. Un, the unreal job how they, how they figured out something in that, you know, the second half. And... And again, you have, this is where the credit comes in for Eric Spolstra is something is happening in these halftime locker rooms where they're adjusting, making the adjustments, um, you know, be obviously better than the teams they're playing. Um, and, and it's really, it's really been impressive what the Heat are able to do in these second halves when they're coming back in the games and how they're, and how they're closing out games is what's winning and what's gotten them this far in this postseason. But, but pretty much like, I mean, when you were watching a game yesterday at halftime, did you think Miami had a chance? No, I really didn't. No, and it's not that they didn't have a chance. I thought it was. No, I thought it was over. I thought that it was. Yeah. It, this was one nothing Celtics. Like I didn't think right. that. I didn't think this was a game that the Heat could steal. 
Correct. I, I felt like Boston was in control. Tatum was playing really well, right? They were getting pretty much a, a balanced scoring from the team. I felt like that, you know, they were positioned to come out in the second half, put a little more pressure on them, and probably win by somewhere between 10 and 15 points. That, that's At halftime, that's how I felt. In the third quarter, when, when Miami came out and just started scoring at will, I mean, 45 points for the Miami Heat in a quarter, I really honestly can't remember the last time they did that. I mean, they almost outscored Boston for the entire second half just in the third quarter. Right. That's crazy. Uh, pretty insane. I mean, they, they just they just exploded. I mean, Jimmy Butler was getting what he what he wanted to at will. Bam and Abayo, yep. give credit, 9 from 13, was getting easy shots. You know, down low, eight rebounds, five assists. They had a great game. But still, for me, it's the trio of Struess, Gabe Vincent, and and, and Caleb Martin. Uh, these guys are are so impressive to watch the way that they're able to make shots um, when they're when they're counted on. And they're just they're they're giving you double digits, 15, 18 points every game. They're taking they it. All, they're t- they all are. They all they're, are. They're, they're, they're all playing great, which takes the load off Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he gives you 35. But when when he's playing like this. And he doesn't have to have these these end of game heroics. Which by the time the fourth quarter came around, the Heat had this game handled. They had this oh, game totally. turned around and and handled. It wasn't much of this close game. They had to do much in the fourth quarter. They they were so explosive in the third quarter that they made this yeah. a, a you know their game that they stole by the fourth quarter. Now with the Heat up one nothing, this series now changes completely because the Celtics in this one they didn't necessarily look bad. They really didn't. It, it, nope. I thought Tatum played good. Uh, I thought Jalen Brown had, you know, 22 and nine. You know, I know he could have shot better from the field, but what this Brogdon, tells me, Brogdon, like well. Brogdon 19 yeah. off the bench, it's it's really all you can ask for. What I saw was, the, obviously in the second half, the Celtics defense just, you know, collapsed, and we've seen it again. We've seen it time and time in these in the in these playoffs where they haven't really been able to put two halves of basketball together um, to win a game here. My my also biggest thing is is the Celtics made the most threes in the regular season at any NBA team. Uh, they made ten in this game. They're not going to win a lot of games, even if it's the Heat. Cool. I know the Heat aren't this aren't usually going to score 123 and make every shot, and I and that that should cool down. But they are not going to win a lot of games making ten threes. This is a team that needs to get three from Tatum, three from Brown. Uh, I know Marcus Mark can contribute two or three. Brogdon can hit you two or three, and Derek White the same two or three off the bench. They need to be getting into the the 15 plus threes um that's how they really can get their you know extend their leads um and 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 you know kind of get away from this heat team that always seems to nag nag around they always they never go away the 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 most important number you need to know from yesterday is 15 right 15 points from Lowry 15 points from Strews 15 points from Vincent 15 points from uh who am i forgetting from Caleb Martin um, yeah Oh, Caleb Martin, and 15 three-pointers for the team. <clears throat> I mean, if you're going to score 15 three-pointers shooting 54% from three-point land, or 51% from three-point land, and overall you're going to shoot 54% from the field, with your level of defensive intensity, Miami's not going to lose very many games. Right, and that's the I, thing I just, is is Miami Miami isn't going to out-rebound the Celtics, but they can out-steal the Celtics. They can they can outscore them in transition points because they're but they they're did just rebound yesterday. Right, but they but did. they are but by one I'm saying they're not gonna. This yeah. isn't like a, a double out-rebounding kind of matchup. And I'm assuming the Celtics next game will re, re will retake that kind of rebounding battle there. But look at the steals, twelve to six. Uh, they had less turnovers. The Heat, uh, the same amount of blocks, but again. Bamanabayo has been a force down there. So this team, the Heat, you know, if, if they can play this well offensively, which is pretty scary because defensively we see how, you know, how how really, you know, the effort is put in on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why we're seeing, you know, them play this well offensively. Why, I would I was I would we, expect I would yeah. expect the the percentages to drop a little. I, I think this sure. is just one of those games. The Celtics let it get away. They, there's nothing they could do about it, but the Celtics now have to win game two um, because if they don't, must, must this, win. this is going to get ugly quick and it would be an epic collapse from what we've seen uh, on how it you know, took them to get to this point. I just have one final question on this game. Why do me and you keep, like, I don't know what it's going to take, but we continuously underestimate this team. Well, it's it's not under underestimate. I, I, for one, said, and I've had Celtics fans 
that I'm seeing saying before game one, obviously this series is going to be, you know, challenging, but it'll be over in five or six, whatever. And I'm sitting here saying, I'm not going to jump on this. I think the Heat are going to win because I still, it's not making entirely sense to me how this team's playing as well as they are. They are overachieving incredibly right now. But by no means that I think this would be a rollover series, you know, that, oh, you, you got past Philly, welcome to the NBA Finals. Like, this is, right. that's not how this works. They're not here for, for no reason. Like, this Heat team is, is damn good, and the way they're playing right now is allowing them to, to overachieve incredibly right now. How long will that last? It could last three more games. They could get to a final. They could win this entire thing. But the Crazy. Celtics are a good enough team to where they can settle down Look at what their mistakes were made, especially defensively. You can't allow 123 points to a team like the Heat. They're not. That's not how the Heat are built no, to win. No. So and, and they got to lock in defensively. The only good news is that uh, I told my uh, guy I work with, who's a, a pretty big better, I said, take Miami Heat plus eight. I was like, you sure? He goes, I really want to bet Boston. I'm like, take Miami plus eight. It was like the only good thing that I actually did. I'm right. and do we also forget that maybe that second half, uh, jolt of energy from the Heat and the lack of energy from the Celtics side. You don't think that has to deal with the maybe the Heat ending their ser- series in six? You know, on a a win at home, they could enjoy their days off. The Celtics with a with a uh, you know they had to battle Game Six. They didn't know if they would make it past that, and then they have to go out and Tatum has to you know have that great of a Game Seven. It takes a toll, you know, those extra sure. you know game that extra game that they had to play. Um, so, so I think that you're, you're, you're seeing that you're seeing the confidence, obviously from the heat, um, and and doing that on the road in game one was the scariest part because we know what they can do at home on their home floor. So the Celtics have to bounce back. It's, it's a must must win win in game two, uh, as we transition to the Western conference, uh, final game one, greatest games I have ever seen. This was the, this was insane, insanity. I mean, that's, what's, so much that's what this been so much fun. That's what this playoffs has been. If you had one word to describe the NBA playoffs so far, it's insanity. I mean, that's really what it's been. Uh, but this Lakers Nuggets game one, I, I don't even know where to start. How about the fact that this game was over at halftime? Uh, it was about a 20 point lead where, I mean, Nikola Jokic might have the best first half in NBA playoff history or, or yeah. I don't even know what, what what's I, next. I, I, 19, seven and five, 17 and five. I mean, what's next for this guy to break records in? Because the NBA is starting to become like too easy for Nikola Jokic. No, he has one goal and one goal only. Everything will be valid, validated if he wins a championship. If he doesn't win a championship, he's just another phenomenal player who, who could be put with Carl Malone. Let's, in the, yeah. let's focus on this game for one. Like you said, his first half stats were... 19 points, 17 rebounds, five assists, and two blocks. I mean, wh- he was doing most, everything. Most, most players would love that for the and whole what, did I, what was the, the exact thing I saw? And, and this is, again, first half from second half, which is we're seeing a common theme. Like, if, you're, if you have a great coach, you're making second half adjustments, and you're getting your team back in the game no matter what. And I think you have yeah, to give, and we'll, get, and we'll get to that. We'll have to get to that in a second. But Darvin Ham deserves a lot of credit. Like, this is... Over the last couple coaches that the Lakers have had since the LeBron regime has come in, you had the Frank Vogel years, and it wasn't Tyron Lue there. Luke Walton. Or Luke Walton. Like, you really do see when, you know, there's just a coach put in place for LeBron to be the the coach or whatever, how it didn't go so smoothly. But guess what? You give this team an actual coach with Darvin Ham has become a really good one. You know, this that's what makes this Lakers team, combined with finally a good roster, why they're so dangerous. But – let me get back to that first half. What I was saying on this episode before game one was that what, what intrigues me about the series is the Nuggets, they get one rebound, one defensive stop, and they're out. They don't care who's running it. Jokic could be like, if it's, if it's Bruce Brown down there, whatever, they, they believe in all their guys. So you, you, had, you had from the, from the, the, the get-go was, was a miss on one end, Jokic rebound, uh, and an insane outlet, outlet pass, one more, and, a, and an easy dunk or an easy layup. Uh, and, and efficient offense for the Nuggets. For the, for the Lakers, on the other hand, it would if the Nuggets did ever miss, you know, in that first half, it was get the rebound, let's slow it down, let's take time. Like, the, the, the two speeds, you know, that these offenses play at don't match at all. And, and, you know, if the Lakers are able to play a slow game, then that's where I see them getting, you know, uh, a win in the series or, or, or two. But the Nuggets' fast pace 
is not easy to play in. And and if if they get out to these, you know, 10, 15, 20 point leads, they usually, and I say usually because it didn't happen in this game, they usually run away with those and don't let that team back. Now, for whatever instance, I don't know how the Lakers battled back in this one. And you have to give credit to Anthony Davis, who took it upon himself as the, you know, opponent of Nikola Jokic and the the person that has been, you know, tasked with having to guard him, took it upon himself with saying, if I couldn't stop him, I might as well compete offensively with him. You know, goes 40, 10, and 3. He gave it all he could. He was He was really, you know, excellent in that second half. LeBron had 26 and... Again, Austin Reeves has become the third option on this team, 23 and eight assists from his, from him as well. It took them, it they got it down. On the fourth, yeah. They got it down to three. They battled all the way back. They they couldn't quite get a lead or anything like that. And eventually Jokic said, no, nah, we're not gonna uh, you know, we're not gonna lose this one. But yeah. it was impressive. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets start and how how their fast off fast paced offense is so fun to watch. And then the Lakers, how they battled back. And Anthony Davis, it looks like he's up for the challenge, you know, in this one. He's not sure. just going to let Jokic beat up on him and call it a day. So, I mean, <laughs> I love that. De- I told you I love Denver from the beginning of this playoffs. I really, truly believe it's the best starting five in the league, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have such versatility. And when all five of them play as good as the five played on that night, I mean, you got 19 from, you know, Kadavius Colwell Pope. You know, I mean, Aaron Gordon played really well both on both sides of, of the thing. My, Michael Porter Jr. was hitting shots left and right. I, Jamal Murray is unbelievable. And then you bring Bruce Brown out, out of nowhere. I mean, the kid is just electric. He's so fast. He's so dynamic. And he was scoring it well, too. It's mm-hmm. an amazing team to watch when they got it all going. The, the adjustment in the second half of putting Hachimura on Jokic was it, it, it worked. It freed yeah. up Anthony Davis to to be like the uh, you know the center in the middle, just sort of like, hey, you you get around Hachimura, then you got me right but, behind you. Right. It, it but, did. But work. here's the yeah. Here's the thing with works. It works with neutralizing Jokic and allows Anthony Davis to take away another piece of of that Denver you know lethal office. But again, what does works with Jokic mean? Stopping him offensively from scoring. Guess what? He just. He 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 figures it out. He he gets oh, it to his other guys. That. He he he. Some of these passes just like seeing through his own head. Like it was mind boggling to watch because that that is the that's been the age old question is how do you stop a guy that doesn't just hurt you by shooting the ball? You know, if you want to double team him, that's that's fine. He would right. love a double team. He's gonna get rid of the of ball every time, and he and he was doing it. And that's why again, I was impressed by how how close they came by coming back in this game and, and props Anthony Davis. But I think this, the, the only way the Lakers win this series is if Anthony Davis can really channel, you know, defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis, and he's going to have to take on Jokic one-on-one. And I'm not yeah, saying he's going to stop him. I'm not saying he's going to do anything to stop how he's playing, but it, 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 all it may take is the few key moments, you know, in the third, fourth quarter, it may just take some key stops for the Lakers to to steal a couple wins here. But what this told me was that yes, I understand the Lakers are good and they and they're not gonna you know go away. But the the Nuggets, the way the pace that they play, the way they come out of the gate just firing and and they don't you know they don't wait for you. You're gonna have to really speed up to them. You know it, the the Nuggets can really you know go up two three games to to nothing in this series. I, I think they take the second one at home uh, as well. And you don't think. And you don't think that that home field advantage, home court advantage, you know, a mile high with the air, the thin air it's, and the conditioning, it definitely has an effect. It's a huge, it's a huge effect. And and it definitely, the Denver, when you w- just watch, watching the game, that atmosphere doesn't seem like a fun place for, uh, you know, the other opponent to come in and, and play. So yeah. it the, the Lakers, this was, you know, a, this would have been a game they would love to have somehow came back and stole. Um, the Nuggets didn't let that happen, and and I was, I was just impressed by both teams. Really, it yeah, was an impressive was first game. game. It showed it you that this so series well is going to be great. Yeah. But I really do think if the Nuggets don't miss a step and they play like they did tonight, you know, minus the blowing the twenty twenty five point lead, mm-hmm. I, I I still think this team is is all around better than the Lakers. Oh, it definitely is. You know, I mean, first of all, 
the stats were all very similar. I mean, the, the shooting percentages were similar. The three pointers were pretty similar. You know, I mean, everything was pretty much, you know, uh, you couldn't really tell a, a big difference right. apart except for one area. And that was rebounding. Yeah. His ability, Joker's ability to offensive rebound and get yeah. easy, bas- easy put back baskets right. is something like I've never seen. I, I mean, I didn't grow. I didn't grow up with Bill Walton, and you know, and uh, Kareem, you know, I barely remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, I mean, he was always, you know, when I grew up in New York, he was out in the West Coast. I saw like you know three games a year. I like yeah. those guys. I don't really remember, and, and certainly not Will Chamberlain before my time. This is in my generation the just one of the best offensive rebounders I've ever seen, other than maybe Dennis Rodman. Right, and when you have a guy like Anthony Davis guarding you for most of the game, and you're still putting out those production numbers of offensive rebounds, like. That just tells you how good he's playing because yeah. we forget that Anthony Davis, you know, at one point this season was averaging like 18 boards a game as well. So we're talking about him being one of the best. But Jokic is just so good at finding the ball and and whether it's tipping it out or grabbing it and, and kicking it out, they always it always seems to be like two possessions in one for, for the yeah. Nuggets. It's it's must-see TV. I was so tired that night. I kept like on the – like. Your mom kept being like, go to bed, go to bed. I'm like one eye open, like I'm watching the game. Like, I can't, this game is so good. Yeah, you, can't, you just, it, it's, not, it's stuff you can't take your eye off. And then not to mention, we haven't even discussed how I, I still like the way that LeBron James is playing right now. Yeah. He was good in that game. Oh um, my God. And- okay, well, one thing, one thing about LeBron James, or maybe about just Denver. Am I blind? Like, am I the only one that sees this? How do you put Jamal Murray on LeBron? I don't it's, know. They were. It is the biggest mismatch in the yeah. history of the world. If Aaron Gordon is not on him, and I don't care what you do to to, to rotate and you know you know do the kind of things on def, on defense you need to do, but Jamal Murray should never be on LeBron James ever. No, yeah, I agree with that. And Aaron Gordon it's like has me been playing down my two year old nephew. Aaron Gordon, when he's asked to play that defensive role, has been very good as very a good. as a one on one defensive defensive player. And I still am saying, care? nah, he's he's gone a little bit, you know. Uh, First of all, he's, he's much thicker than he was when he was on. Got a little Denverified, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, yes. He's been smoking the, the the ganja for sure. Yeah, he. Yeah, I loved young AG with the with the buzz cut in Orlando. Right, the but, buzz cut. He was skinny. He was ripped. Now he's like thick. He's got tattoos yeah. everywhere, and he's got the freaking dreads all over the place. He's, he he yeah. looks like a completely different human being. And and if it's not for him, I I still think Austin Reeves is becoming one of my favorites. You know, now up up in the league, just the way he's playing. You know, big big. Big time games, big time moments, you know, surrounded by the stars of the league. Like it's, it can't be easy being a second year player, you know, coming from a minimal G League role, you know, playing alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron against Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. Like this is bright lights for a kid like this, and he's just playing excellent ball. He's going to get a lot of money in free agency. I don't know, you know, this is a time, a, a talk for another time, but I don't know if the Lakers will be able to retain him. Hey, Orlando Magic, we need a two. We need a guy who can shoot the three. Throw some money at Austin Reeves. I'd love it. Bring him in if he wants to come to, to O-Town there. But I guess we'll totally talk about agree. it on, a, uh, on free agency at the, uh, in, in the summer there. Um, but it's time now to get to our NBA Number mock draft 1.0. 1. 1. Oh. Uh, we're about 35 days away from the draft here at, end of, right. uh, at the end of June. Um, so it's never too early now with the lottery uh, setting our picks to go through and, and pick our top 15 of who we think is going to go um, at the end of June in the, the NBA draft there. So obviously we all saw it. The, the lottery was a very hyped up, uh, very, very nerve wracking moment. And the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich end up coming out of it with, or as the winners, I should say, as the number one pick. And they, they, they weren't even sugarcoating it on the, uh, on the, the TV broadcast. They they interviewed Victor Wembanyama right after, and they said, "How does it feel to be a Spur?" They didn't even say, "What do you think about the Spurs?" It, the horn, like so they true. they were they just so said, How, they, like the draft happened on Tuesday. He was taken by the Spurs. I'd never seen that. You know them be so deliberate with that, but no, LeBron I mean, James that, was the last time that happened. Yeah, right. 100%. That just that just shows how special this is. So let's go through um, one through fifteen. We could, we'll, we could skip. We'll, Pick one. We'll we start really at one, one. Technically, skip one. Um, yeah, it's gonna be Victor Wembanyama. Will be a spur. The seven five, two hundred and twenty pound phenom from France. 
240. Uh, 240? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They they have his height, his weight, all different, marked up. Hold on, I think he, see, when I look at him... Chris, go ahead. Did you see Chris Mad Dog Russo say that everyone is, needs to chill out? He's being overhyped. The radio host on I, I mean, I'd, like, I'd say <laughs> Mad Dog Russo is an old head and doesn't yes, appreciate and doesn't appreciate what we're, we're seeing with our eyes. I, 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 I don't agree with any of the bus talk. I don't agree with the, the injury concern, whatever. I don't agree with it. I think whatever risk you have, throw it out the window. This guy is too good of a prospect. Adrian Wojnarowski came out yesterday and he said, Victor Wimbanyana might be the best prospect in all of team sports history. What, what, when have we ever heard that before? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for the Spurs and you give them, to the Spurs, a, a a very good cultured organization who's been run been run you know and and has been great for the last two decades. They're just now seeing a, a team that they're starting to rebuild with, and it's the first time since Greg Popovich has been there. He's won rings. He has developed countless players from inside their system, and now you give him a guy like this talent. Um, I I, I find it hard that Wembenyana maybe he doesn't win right away. That Spurs team's going to need work. It's not just him. But he's going to go there and he's going to produce right off the bat. We're talking about a guy that could break rookie records his first year, especially on a team like the Spurs, where he's going to be the number one option right off the bat. Well, I think that that's the biggest key is that you know, well, sorry, that he's going to a class organization, an organization that's done this before with you know David Robinson and Tim Duncan. But this roster is god awful. It's, it's terrible. It's it's a bad awful. roster. You, you got Wembenyana, you got Devin Vassell, and Trey Jones at point guard. Like it's. There's nothing to love here. And then Jeremy Sochan, who was, I guess, right. uh, uh, good for them last year. Like, there is nothing there, – there's nothing close to Wembenyana on this team. So that's why it's it's huge for them. They can finally build with what they know is going to be a star, you know, at least and, for well, – you have, you have to also believe that free agents are going to be like, okay, San Antonio is back in and play. That, and that's the big thing is that San Antonio, like, it isn't this small market team that's never been good. Like, like right. this is a team that for the last two decades – had the long, one of the longest playoff streaks in uh, in NBA history. Like Greg Popovich is a is yeah a, a, a devoted fan base. Uh, you know a coach that's probably one of the wisest of all time. Yep. I find it hard that the Spurs mess this up. This is going no, to be no, a great fit be, for Wembenyana. So that's number one. Number two is where the draft starts, and 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 un, and and I think that is becoming more and more you know, of a real statement now that the Hornets have the number two pick because the Hornets have this guy named LaMelo Ball. Yes. Very good player, but hasn't played a lot of basketball, has been hurt a lot. He is their starting franchise point guard, but there's also a guy named Scoot, Hander- Scoot Henderson, who is the, I think, consensus number two prospect and is a freakishly good point guard prospect um, there at number two. I've seen a lot of mock drafts go away and say Brandon Miller's the picket too because of LaMelo being there. But I think Scoot Henderson is still the right choice for the Hornets at two. I think that I think that he can play either behind Lamelo Ball, next to Lamelo Ball, if if he's able to mold into a two guard because he's not exactly this fantastic, uh, you know, playmaking shooting point guard. He's more of a you know he can do everything with the ball. He he is an on ball player and he can work one on one and he's a fantastic finisher as the most insane, incredible vertical you've seen from a 6'4 point guard can jump out the gym um, and, and, and can finish at the rim. But if he can mold as a number two and LaMelo stays healthy at that one, they could have one of the best uh, backcourts in all of uh, basketball really quick. It just all depends on LaMelo staying healthy there. And guess what? Let's say LaMelo, maybe it doesn't fare well for him. You can put Scoot as your franchise point guard and also mold him that way. I think the, the, you know, the diversity of, of having Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball as your backcourt is too much fun to think of, you know, and pass up. So I think Brandon Miller's good. I don't think he, he, uh, he has quite the ceiling that Scoot Henderson does. Scoot Henderson is really, you know, his closest comparison is John Morant, you know, take all the off the court, you know, issues off, you know, away from that. He has a very similar play style, has this unbelievable athleticism, you know, and if he could really develop a shot, like John Moran has learned to develop a pretty decent mm-hmm. shot over mid-range. his first couple of years, mid-range, yeah. mm-hmm. we could see a similar play, you know, a play style to him. 
See, I, I, I wouldn't take Scoot Henderson here. I, I love Scoot Henderson. He reminds me of like when Russell Westbrook was in his prime, right? That's another one too, yeah. He, he, he's a man-child. I mean, when you he's look at him he's humongous, he's built, he looks like a man. He's, what, still 19 years old or whatever. Like, he's tremendous upside. But when you have a lineup that has LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Dennis Smith Jr., and you have no forwards other than Gordon Hayward, I, right. like, Brandon Miller fits what they need. He does. He does. I'm not very I, well. It, it's why I understand why the pick is, you know, it has been mocked to them now the last couple of days that we've seen this order come out. And yep. I get it. I, I, I have no problems with Miller, but again I, I would I, take Brandon Miller. I look he's a he's a sensation. He went to Auburn. He's you know, like the Southeast loves him. Like I just think he's a perfect right. fit. Alabama, not Auburn. Or Alabama. Alabama is still Southeast. Um he, he just fits really well for the hole that Charlotte has in their lineup. Yeah. Can't argue with it. You know, it's yeah. going to be him or, or Scoot at two. They're going to yeah. have to decide. Um, at three, if they end up do keeping the pick, I was happy that they did get a top three pick. The Blazers, there's been rumors that they're going to try to move on from that and, and really try to get, you know, Lillard, someone uh, that's already, you know, been in the league a little while to play next to him. But at three, they could use it too to get a star player. Um, and that's where I think, the Blazers should take Brandon Miller. I think they're right there with the Hornets. They have that star point guard. Lillard's there. LaMelo Ball, if he's ever healthy. And I think the Blazers' bigger need, you know, is a wing. And when you look at Scoot, he's the best point guard prospect. When is the best big. And Brandon Miller's the best wing prospect. We saw him all year long in Alabama. He has, you know, he's the prototypical Jason Tatum build, Paula Bancaro build, you know, all these, these, these 6'9", 6'10", small forward slash power forward prospects we've been seeing come, you know, up in the league the last couple of years. He's exactly it. You know, yeah. he can shoot the three well. He can attack. He has really good athleticism, um, really good one-on-one player. He also has a little bit of a, of a post game to him as well. So he can do it all. Um, it's just, I think those, I think Wembenyana and Scoot Henderson have been, talk, have been talked about for a year now. I think it, it, it has a purpose. I think that they are, they have, you know, these incredible ceilings. It's a lot why this, you know, draft reminds me a lot of that. Uh, I believe it was the, the 2021 class with John Moran and, uh, and, and Zion is because those guys we were talking about being the top two guys. And then Brandon Miller is the third best player in this draft. He definitely, uh, I, I don't see him falling past three. No, I, he will definitely not fall behind three. I mean, you're right. If Brandon Miller is not taken by Charlotte, Brandon Miller will be taken by Portland. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Um, the problem with my issue or the way I did it is with Brandon Miller, if he gets taken by uh, Carolina, it really puts a weird kind of context on Portland because the next three best players are all guards. Right. Hey, and, and, then, so- and then that's and that's the problem is the Scoot Henderson. Would they take Scoot Henderson, the Blazers? I, I would figure at that right. point, maybe they'd look to trade out, but, but we're not really taking trades in, into right. consideration here. Like, right. So I'm not taking a trade. Did, so if, did they so, pair Scoot Anderson right, with Damian right. Miller? Like, again, I, I, I'm not going to disclude it. I said it for LaMelo Ball. That would be one of the best backcourts in the league. Same yeah. for Damian Lillard and, and Scoot Anderson. That, that would be one of the best backcourts in the league. However, they have... Well, then you they can have, put Anthony Simmons. You can take Anthony right. Simmons and, and make him a six man. They have you know? Simons. They have. Uh, they they just drafted. I'm, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, 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 Sharp, uh, that they drafted. He oh, was a Shaden two guard. Shaden yep. Sharp was a guard. Well, like they'd have. They would have four really, yeah. you know, like elite level guards there in Portland. You, I, you know what Portland really needs? It's not going to happen because they're not going to pick them that that early. But Whitmore from Villanova or Jarris Walker from Houston is really what Portland needs if they don't yeah. get Brandon Miller. Yeah, this could be definitely be a trade down scenario for the Blazers or trade out of a hole. But I don't know. You you know you, in your scenario they take Miller and my or uh, in my scenario they take Miller and yours they would take uh, would they take Scoot? I, I, I don't. You can't I, not take Scoot I, at I three if we're not I doing exactly. trades. I I don't think that Scoot Henderson is going to fall farther than that. So okay. I, I would have to take. Him. All right, so respected that. We get to four. The Rockets luck did not luck uh, have much luck there as they yeah. fall to four. That's crazy. Um, this is this is Thompson territory. You see the Thompson twins um, of the Ignite League. I believe they, they desperately, desperately need a point guard. Desperately, right. So here, here's the thing with the with the uh, sort of the, the the twins here is that they're they're similar, but they're not. 
And you have Asur, who's more of the wing defender, uh, three and D type of player. And then you have Amen Thompson, who's more of the oversized point guard that we've been seeing the last couple of years as the, the Six, new type seven, of point right? guard build. Um, also a great defender, but has a little shooting trouble. And mm-hmm. this is the reason I'm not having the the Rockets go point guard here and take Amen Thompson because Why? they 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 yeah. don't need another uh, you have you have Jalen Green at the shooting they don't they don't you, need another Jalen Green they don't need another Kevin Porter Jr. What I see in in Amen Thompson is exactly those two two guards that are athletic freakishly athletic great playmakers but too inconsistent shooting wise um, and it's gotten the Rockets into some trouble now because they can't find a consistent offensive you know playmaker for them. Mm-hmm. I on the other hand will go with the Twin brother, I will go with a Sir Thompson at four. I like a Sir. I think he's the better brother. I think when you take his athleticism to his brothers, they're very equal. I think the thing that distrib- what you know, uh, kind of differentiates them is the size. Is 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 the size, and I think that when you look at you know a Sir, he's six, he's six seven, you know, two ten wing, traditional wing player that the Rockets desperately need, um, and they need a, an OG and an Obi type, a three and D player that can bring them. 15, 18 points again, but but can also be their best defender, you know, wing defender on their team. And who doesn't need that in the NBA today? You know, everyone's best player is is their wing kind of uh, player, their wing stars. So if you can have someone that can that can give you not be your leading scorer, not be your number one offensive weapon, but be you know your 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 leader on your team can be that solidified number three. I like a surge to the Rockets there. I don't think they should take another risk on a a guard point guard that, that really hasn't worked out for them, you know, the last couple of years. I know I, I actually would take them in and only because I think Kevin Porter Jr. And Ty Ty Washington are just crap. Right. I mean, they don't have someone to bring the ball up. I I'm, I'm not a Kevin Porter fan. I wasn't a Kevin Porter fan. When no, was I'm not US saying you should be, I'm not, I'm, I'm not one either, but yeah. you know, and I think Jalen green is going to start continuing to, to work on his shot. Like that's like Jalen green can shoot the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. He just had a bad rookie year, you know. Uh, and so, I, listen, I like I like somebody at that size, six, seven, who has good ball skills, who could distribute the ball, who's athletic to match with Jalen Green in the backfield. I, I'm taking right. I'm taking and more J- point guard as well. Jabari Smith had an underperforming rookie year as well, but yep. he was more of their four whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not exactly a traditional wing either. We saw he didn't really fit there as rookie year. So. They need a. They need athleticism. That's what this draft offers. I think Osir is the guy to go. You take the other brother and take Amen. Yeah. Uh, at five, the Pistons um, are here, and this is where uh, again another team that really could have used a top three pick in this draft. They did not look out, uh, and and the Pistons. This is, in my opinion, I think the Pistons are the most screwed team at the bottom right now in the in the league, and it's it's a mix of they have a lot of guys but it seems like nothing is going to actually come, you know, to, to save this franchise. And I'd love to think Cade Cunningham comes back from this injury, does what he was doing in the beginning of last year. And he can really, you know, start taking this team to the top, but I, I don't think that's the case. And it's not a lot on him. I, I just don't see anything else on this team that I really like that much. Really? I think I, he could come I, back. I, I like be good. the roster. I think the roster is filled with talent. For some it's reason, young. it's young. It's young. It's young. It's young. It's it's young, and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of good prospects. But I I'm not convinced that they play together. You know, That's good enough. Right. Jaden Ivey, I like, but I, I don't think team ever. <laughs> I don't know if him and Cade Cunningham are that great of a backcourt duo together. You know, they have some young bigs. Isaiah Stewart is was Isaiah there. Livers. They Livers. they got Isaiah oh, Liver or uh, yeah Isaiah Stewart. Oh. They they got, but then they also got the guy from Jaylen Golden Durant. State. Uh, well, they got uh, Jalen Duran in, in the draft there. They James got James Wiseman. Wiseman. It Marvin seems Bagley, like the third. Yeah, it just... seems like the the Pistons are just racking up players, kind of like yes. the Magic. Magic the last yes. couple of years. You know, guess what? The Magic. Think... It's 2023. They're now just becoming somewhat relevant, ready to take that next step. The Pistons have a couple of years to go. This you is just another 12... year of AJ. You can't have 12 players on a team that all play. You can't. Right. But the Pistons are now going to enter that stage. They're going to enter yeah. the, the playtime stage. Who Who's fighting for a roster spot in the next two years and who's not? They're going to be at the bottom you know, of this lottery for a couple more years. That's just a sad reality. However, they have the fifth pick, 
And I think someone that could add to maybe helping out of that uh, whole little quicker is Cam Whitmore, who we just talked about um, from Villanova. I think when you add uh, Cam Whitmore, I think that would be a really good fit for this Pistons team. You know, I, I think Cam Whitmore is is just a great all around player, and he gives you the 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 size. He gives you that another wing that the, again the Pistons the the teams at the bottom of this draft. They need a star wing. It is changing. The league is changing where these guys who are the, the, the three and the fours and the star players of these teams, you know, are really starting to take over. It's the size mixed with the shooting ability. That's yeah. what every team needs to be taking a, a, a real chance on now. So I would go Cam Whitmore. Um, I think, you know, 6'6", six, six, 200 would slot in right at the three. He could start his yeah. rookie year. It would help out, you know, Kate Cunningham and, and Jaden Ivey to see if something really is there for them too. I'm a big fan of Cam Whitmore, but there's a player I like better, and that's Jarris Walker. I've talked about him all year. I talked about him during the tournament. I think this guy is special. He is a man-child. He's 6'8", 240, and you can't move him. He's a rebounding machine that will be double-digit rebounds every single game he plays. He's a monster on the boards, and I think that that's something Detroit needs desperately. They need some physicality. They need some rebounding. I love Jarris Walker. I, that would be my selection. So my thing with Jarris Walker is not that I don't like him. It's more of a hatred towards working with uh, UCF basketball and one of our <laughs> rivals being Houston and them dominating us. And yeah. he wasn't too kind in those games um, with some of his performances on the court. So more, more of it is just kind of jealousy of how you know he kicked our ass. But this is yeah. a very good player. I think he's a little overvalued for you to take him at five. That's extremely high for me. He's, he's more of a player. overvalued if you think you're going to, if you need 15 points a game. Like he's not going to give you a 15 points every right, game, but, but, but he's going to give you he, 10 and 10. He's more of a guy that I look for these later lottery teams. These teams that don't have as much scoring holes on their team. They can we'll add, they can afford a guy like that. When, we'll when he up. falls to a guy, like if he falls to nine, 10, 11, that's where I'd, I'd love to take him. But five is extremely early for me. He ain't falling that far. I would, I'd, I'd say he falls to nine before he gets taken at five. No chance. I don't, I, I, I think five is, five, five's a little much there. Six, the Orlando Magic um, have, a, have a pick there. They're first of two. I think there's something brewing with the Magic. I don't know if they're trading both to move up, trading both to move back, trading both for a player. They're going to look. They'd be foolish not to. So I think yeah. that where we can, you know, theorize of what's going to happen, but it's, you know, the magic the, only the have magic, one need. They only have one need, and that is they need scoring. They need a they shooting need guard. The, the magic desperate. The, the magic desperately have one need, and it's a num it's a two guard that can yeah. shoot the ball, preferably at a forty percent rate from three. That that is yeah. what they need. Someone that can right. give them a spark in their spark starting lineup not have to rely on Fultz to shoot, but to get the ball to this guy, to have Paulo do his magical, you know, uh, playmaking abilities, Franz yep. to have his ability. Like, they, they need a guy that's a consistent shooter to allow all these great pieces need, that they really they have drafted the last couple of years. Actually, they need Jalen Brown. They need Jalen Brown. Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown would be perfect in this. But let's say that they actually make this pick. And yep. at six, it's kind of hard because I would have liked Usher Thompson – Again, I'm, I'm not a fan of Amen, and I still don't have him going here to the Magic. Cam Whitmore would have been a, a possibility to me. I also love Jordan Hawkins, but at six, he's, that's a little high for me. There's really only one player that kind of falls Just here for me. It. Just say it. Just for, me, say it's, can... it's, for me, it's Anthony Black from Whoa! Arizona. What? I almost it's just Anthony fell off my chair. I fell off my chair. So it, it, it's not, again, this is... This is why I think the Magic are going to look around and see what they have to do because I think the the Magic have to know that this is what they need too, right? Like they're not mm -hmm. this this management isn't stupid. Like they need shooting, they need skill. Yes. And again, I, I'm not sure Anthony Black totally brings that to you, but he definitely potentially could. This is yeah. one of the the highest ceiling uh, prospects in this in this entire draft. Six eight, two hundred pound, uh, basically point guard. What he played last year alongside Nick Smith um, at, at 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 Arkansas. This is a guy that is just what the Magic have been building. These high wing, long wingspan, tall players, really good defensively. You know, if you have Anthony Black at your, your two guard and you can sub him out with Jalen Suggs, who's been really good defensively, you already have a really good defensive team. And the Magic were a really good defensive team 
last yeah, year. But so, but here's my here's it, my only issue with that pick, right? I mean, Anthony Black is a point guard, right? I mean, right, and and that's the it, thing it, is is you're gonna still, have to take a guy again. Marco Fultz is your starting point guard, whether you, you like it or not. Fultz, like, Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. I mean, but it, but again, this is why what I'm saying at six seven could definitely play the two. And if Anthony Black really develops his three point shot, you have a guy that the Magic love to take in terms of a prospect, in terms of how he's built. And just hearing from, you know, at Arkansas, what he had to do. Remember Nick Smith didn't really, wasn't really loving playing for Arkansas um, at the end of last year. He really had to step up. He was a really big player for Arkansas last year. I don't know. I just, I like the, I like the build. He fits into what the starting lineup is. And although he's not, again, this isn't what I would, if I had this, if the the board fell this way and it was Anthony Black or look another way of trading whatever, I would definitely look to trade or or get someone else, but this is at the end of the day, this is the best fit for the Magic, at, 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 as you know, as the board falls this way. Unfortunately, I no. I see, like Anthony Black's a phenomenal defender. Anthony Black's a good point guard. I don't think it's exactly what the Magic need. I mean, candidly, I think Nick Smith is a better basketball player in terms of scorer than Anthony Black. He's a head case. I don't want anything to do with Nick Smith, mm-hmm. right? But for the the Magic, I mean. I, I, as much as I don't think he's as good as advertised, he is what they need considering Jonathan Isaac it can't stay healthy. And that's your boy, Taylor Hendricks, right? I mean, this is probably it's an option at like, six. Like, why not go with the hometown boy? Keep him here in and Orlando. It would be nothing I would, I would disapprove of. Again, it's just not the biggest need. And, and unfortunately, Taylor Hendricks would go to a bench role. There's no room for him down there in a starting lineup. So yeah. you'd hope that he, that he would be really, effective off the bench um there like, going to be a bench player no matter where he starts no i i understand and that but that's not true you know a lot of these teams he could easily slot in at, at starting at the four but again i understand that he may start as a bench player and and the magic wouldn't be a bad place for him to go they definitely need forward depth and yeah. and i would like that and taylor hendrix offers well, you he's a, a, he's a, a three and D kind of guy he shoots well from the outside right you know but, he but is I, and, and athletic I would rather Taylor Hendricks go to one of these lower teams that really do need a, a stretch four there. I don't think the Magic need that. Um, that's not their biggest need. The Magic need to one way or another with the sixth pick, they need a hit on a on a star potential shooting guard or they need a trade for one. It's very simple. I just I just don't know that I look, I think the best shooting guard, candidly, in all of this, you know, outside or in all of this draft is probably Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State, and he ain't going to, like, the late first round at best. No, you know, so not. I don't know if there is a shooting guard. There's a couple of good shooting forwards, you know, small forwards, but, but there's there's not a lot of good shooting guards. But, again, this is why I look at Anthony Black and I say, is Anthony Black at, you know, what what he is he being evaluated as a as a pure point guard? That, that, that whole entire Arizona uh, – I keep calling them Arizona – Arkansas team – it was like they started four guards. So I think yeah. I think Anthony Black could play the two. He could play the three if he wanted to. Versatility is all the magic really sure. value uh, at these positions. So it just makes works. sense to me at, for this pick. Again, though, yeah. the magic, I'd want them to look for more of a splash, more of a, a solidified number two if they could. Okay. But that's the pick for me. At seven, this is where I have Amen Thompson. The Pacers really I, I do don't – they don't need to focus – on scoring they have Tyrese Halliburton they have guys that they that Benedict Matherin was really good you know for them last year like they I think they're good on scoring they need they need some defense they need some wing guys uh that can that can help that 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 team play some defense there amen Thompson best defender in the draft I think it'd be great if he was to fall to them at seven I, I couldn't agree more so that's that's the pacer pick for me wizards at eight this is where I have Taylor Hendricks going. Um, okay. Is eight to the Wizards here. Porzingis, his his uh, status is up in the air. He he had actually a pretty good season for the Wizards um, there. He him and Bradley Beal, you know, were a good duo there. I know they have Kyle Kuzma um, at the four, but there's uncertainty, uncertainty all around. I think the Wizards, the way they look at it, you know, they're gonna have to blow this thing up one way or the other. If it's not this year, it's next year. You know they. They, they couldn't even make the play-in with three guys averaging 20 points. So there's no way that they can keep all three. Beal has made it very clear he doesn't want to be traded, so I think he has the right of way to stay. But I don't yeah. believe Porzingis is on this team next year. Maybe if they keep Kuzma, um, that's fine. But he played more of the three this year with Porzingis there anyway. 
They need a guy, a stretch four, even an undersized five. He could definitely play the five in the NBA. Um, and Taylor Hendricks is that option. He could offer them 40% from three. Um, he is extremely efficient, you know, inside, is is one of the best rebounders, you know, in this Hendricks draft. Hendricks might on, start on Washington. And that's what I'm saying is, is Taylor Hendricks could come into one of these rosters, especially Washington, if, if they kind of get rid of, of some of their uh, forwards there that are becoming a little expensive on their payroll, like re- replenishing, you know, Christoph Porzingis with Taylor Hendricks. Obviously, you're not getting a 7'3 unicorn, but you're getting a 6'10 guy that can jump out of the gym. Uh, an excellent defender would, would definitely be much better defender than Porzingis really ever was for that team. Definitely a better defender than Kuzma. You know, he just gives you that younger uh, version of some of these forwards that they've had. And I think he can really be better uh, than with the bounce, with the three-point shooting. You know, Taylor Hendricks is is going to be a great player, uh, hopefully for many years to come in the NBA. And the Wizards would be lucky to get him at eight. See, I probably, I already had Taylor Hendricks go off the board. So for me, I think this is is between Whitmore and Black, right? I mean, they, they need both. Right. They could definitely use Cam Whitmore's, uh, you know, overall game at, at a forward position. But with point guard, with Monte Morris, DeLon Wright and Kendrick Nunn as your point guards, I, I could easily see Anthony Black jumping right in there and taking over the starting job. So I, I, I would go in either of those directions. I probably would lean towards Whitmore just because I think it's tremendous value at the eighth pick. Uh, right. But but uh, if they went with Black, I think it would be a fill, too. All right. I, I can I can get on that on on that one for you on on number nine for the Jazz I have uh, Jarris Walker going there at nine you know a team at, at, at these nine through nine through eleven here you have the Mavs you have J- the Jazz and you have the Magic you know f- three teams in that spot nine ten eleven that could really afford to use a, a top ten pick, a later top ten pick on a guy like Jarris Walker I hate to say it but the dude is an amazing force uh, brutal force down low can get you 10, 12 boards a game. Um, and, and you know, offensively speaking, I think he gives you more than, than people give him credit to. I mean, I think he just he, – he lives in the post. You know, he's going to get offensive, defensive rebounds, and he's become a really good, uh, you know, just glass cleaner of ability to put the ball back in the net. So everyone needs that kind of, of player, like you said before. Um, the Jazz, I think their roster, they showed last year, they were off to a hot start. And, you know, Lloyd Markinen, more of a – you know, transitioning to that more wing spot now, they could definitely use a guy that 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 just is is there. You know, uh, paint paint protector, uh, as they yeah. say. So I have Jarris Walker at nine. So obviously, I had Jarris Walker go fifth. So that guy's gone for me. My my problem now is they desperately need a center. Oh my God, does this team need a center? I, I mean, Walker Kessler is not the center of the future. You know, yeah. they've got good young players in Colin Sexton and, and uh, Akbaji and. You know, uh, Talon, uh, Horton Tucker, you still got Rudy Gay on the team. You got Markin in, you got Kelly Olnick. Like, you got good two, three, four. You got, desperately need a five, but there's no five to pick this high, you know. On, no, and Walker Kessler was on the all-rookie first team. It's not like you're looking to, to, to replace him there. I would, but that's just between you. I, the rookies weren't that great this year, so making all-rookie to me wasn't that big of a, a to-do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at this point I would probably take – I would probably just take the best player that was still available that could score. And that's probably Kaysan Wallace of, uh, of Kentucky. You know, I, I think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, definitely a guy I can definitely see going out there and, and doing really well in the NBA. He's very athletic. He's, you know, just a, 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 a dynamic scorer, a guy who could take it to the basket. I, I like his game. I, I think that could be something that, look, I mean, Utah's, they, they, they could use anybody who could put the ball in the net. So, yeah. uh, Give, give, give me Wallace from there. Yeah, not a bad one. I'm personally, I'm not a Kassan Wallace fan. Um, I don't actually don't have him in this top 15. I, wow. I just, I just, I, I watched the highlights. I, he wasn't a familiar name to me. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I watched the highlights. I, I, I looked up on him and it just, I don't know. It didn't do anything to, for he, me. He has to improve his three point shot, but um, he's very good as a two way player. You know, he's going to be all over you. He's nonstop defense. He, yeah. he can, he's got great explosion to the, to the basket. I, I think, uh, I, I, I like the guy. All right. 10, uh, 10 for me, uh, the Mavericks, I think if, I think the Mavericks are lucky to have this pick, obviously they didn't have to give it to the Knicks this year. It'll be the Knicks pick yeah. next year for that Porzingis trade, but 
they have to hit here. If, if they're not going to trade this pick and they're going to try to build through this draft and keep Kyrie and, and, and Luca as their, their backcourt, they, they're going to need some help. And I think at yep. this point, if at 10, Grady Dick is still there, you got to oh, take the... 100%. You, you have to take it there. I mean, if yes. you're going to... Because the Magic are going to take him at 11, no doubt. If, if you're going to look for someone that I, I at times has... I, I think he's gotten a little overrated. I, I don't... The, the thing about Grady Dick is I don't envision him being the star player in the NBA. I, I don't see the star potential. However, I do see the very good role player potential from Grady Dick. I see the ability. Do you know who Grady Dick is? He's Franz Wagner. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to come out there and he's going to be a dynamic three point shooter. He's going to, but again, but, but I don't even think he's Franz Wagner. I don't think he's Franz Wagner. I think Franz Wagner is more athletic. I think he's fast. I think he has a better shot than, than Grady Dick does. And, and Grady Dick could could like you said could work to be a Franz Wagner. That could be a ceiling is 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 that type of player, and that'd be great for the Mavs because that's who they need. They need a wing that can score on all three levels. He shot forty percent from three last year and has underrated athleticism, so it's a perfect fit, no matter where, no matter what for the Mavs. My thing is I'm not the biggest Grady Dick fan as you know, just going to any team, but a team like the Mavs, if they do happen to have Kyrie and Luka Doncic next year, like Grady yep. Mick, Grady Dick would be a great fit there. He would. Yep. Obviously, be going to a, a good organization, and they need scoring. They need scoring. Grady Dick could put the ball in the net. So next, at eleven, at 11 the Magic are back up. And I they take would, the player both of us won. Uh, I wanted to take him at six, but apparently he's not going Same six. So uh, Jordan Same Hawkins, I really like at eleven. And if the Magic decide to do something else with six, maybe Taylor Hendricks is actually an option there at six. Then you want to go get your two, you know, it could be a little bit of a project, but Jordan Hawkins is, is one of the most raw, you know, youngest talent uh, in, in this, uh, in this draft here. So Give I think Jordan that Hawkins, Jordan Hawkins all day long, I think this could be one of the steals. I've been, we've been saying it for a couple, uh, a couple months now, ever since UConn won the whole thing. Like this guy was on top of his game, whether it was hitting shots, whether it was playing defense, talk about two way player. Um, I was just, I was just really impressed on his shot making, and that's what I think he can offer to a Magic team that needs, you know, shot making and scoring. I just, I really, and and people are gonna just kill me for this. I think he could be the next Dwayne Wade. Uh, that's well, I mean, that's a, I you know you can't be big. throwing that around, but that's. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this guy has tremendous upside potential. I love how fast his shot gets off. I love when he gets in the groove. He's he's money. He's going to be a dynamic two guard in this right league. and and that's the thing you love to see when you talk about Dwayne Wade and, and just getting that shot off quick and just having the confidence you know that'll go down like we saw him get to another level in the in the tournament which was really big to see you always want to see that um yep. you know as the draft approaches there OKC at 12 this is where I have Nick Smith going I, I think again like you we both acknowledge that Nick Smith is a head case and there's been coaches coming out that said he's he's tough to deal with but you can't dis- that can't distract you from the player that Nick Smith is it's one of the best guards in this entire draft. There's a reason he's going to go in the lottery. Um, just a dynamic point guard. Um, if, if you're looking for someone to start as your backup, you know, as your backup point guard, you want to, you know, put him behind someone that, that you've had there for a little bit. OKC could be the perfect place for him to be the guy behind Shea, uh, behind, uh, uh, you know, what was an off NBA first team uh, caliber sure. point guard. Like OKC could have, could could put Nick Smith back there. They could have a great back, uh, even better, you know, backcourt depth than they already have. Nick Smith could be a unbelievable player in the NBA. He is so talented. I, I just I am very concerned that this guy cannot keep his emotions in check. You know, he's the kind of guy who's like, if he doesn't get his way, he cries and takes his ball home with him, right? right. And I don't know if I can handle that. If OKC can handle that, if they have the leadership that can you know calm that guy down, talent wise, he is up there in the top five guys. I, he is that good. So yeah. I have no problem with Nick Smith being taken here if Oklahoma City thinks they can handle. Him. Um, I agree. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. We're coming up on a, on an hour here, so I'll get it yep. uh, over here quick. The Raptors thirteen. I have them taking Keontae George. Uh, the Pelicans at fourteen. I have taken Chris Murray. From Iowa, I think he could sneak up a little too. Chris Murray showed me nothing that Keegan Murray could do. I think they're very similar yeah. players. Um, yep. And Keegan Murray was very good for a Kings team that, that overachieved this year. So 
Why shouldn't Chris Murray be a lottery pick as well? Um, and the Hawks, a guy that I think is getting no love. I've honestly seen him going in the second round in some early mock drafts. How about Jet Howard, who yeah. was really good on Michigan last year, arguably their best player. Hunter Dickinson didn't have a great year. Um, and I know, you know, the, the bloodline is there, which I was surprised that that wasn't moving him up alone. But this guy's a really good player. Um, I, I don't exactly know, you know, where he'd fit in on a Hawks team. Trey Young's their point guard. He played a lot of point guard last year for them uh, over in Michigan. So they have DeJounte Murray. But again, these teams that are picking in the later lottery tend to already have proven stars or proven starters. This is to get a depth guy that, God forbid, Trey Young ever leaves, which that was made a possibility this year. You know, Jed Howard could possibly come in um, and fill a starting need there. I, I think he's a very solid, solid player. I, I still will go back to Bryce Sensible. I, I think this guy is, is the best shooter out of all of them. You know, I mean, other than Jordan Hawkins, I think he's the best pure shooter uh, in this draft class. I think he, he's, he's still like 19 years old. He's got so much upside. I, I would take a run at him at this point. All right. So you're taking him at, at 15 with the Hawks and then 13, yep. 14. Uh, I'd can't need scoring. Murray. The, Haw the Hawks need scoring. It can't all be on Trey Young and, and, and Murray, right? Move them all around, yep. play three guards. Yep. No, I agree with you on that. So the Wembanyana going number one is set, but everything after oh, that, we'll just have to going. wait. Are we sure, well, we sure that's where we'll he's going? We'll just have to wait on uh, – there's going to be movement here. A lot of these teams are going to be moving around. You're going to see You're going to see some of these teams that have sold their soul maybe try to get back in the first round, get some of their picks back. So this offseason for the NBA, I think, I think especially this NBA playoffs will be a direct factor into who starts you know, moving what pieces because – Whoever wins this championship is gonna it's gonna tell a lot for this league for this upcoming just, uh for this upcoming offseason. I only have one wish before we go. Package the six, the eleven, and Jalen Suggs to Boston for Jalen Brown for the magic. If if only it was that easy. <laughs> I don't think any I don't think anyone in Orlando would have a problem with that.